0: don't wait visit sono, slash sonobello.com slash save com slash save com slash save
1: did you know your daily routine could be the key to your next vacation getaway nerd wallet helps you compare travel and cashback cards to turn your everyday purchases into your next unforgettable getaway experience traveling doesn't have to be expensive and daily expenses don't have to get in the way of your next escape imagine purchasing food and earning points towards a free hotel room or earning points toward a flight by simply buying gas regardless of your financial situation the nerd wallet team will help you make sense of your options at nerdwallet.com Get expert information from an award-winning team of nerds to make even the most complicated money questions and topics easy to understand. NerdWallet's dedicated team will offer the tips you need to get that vacation you've been waiting for without breaking the bank. NerdWallet offers everything you need to make sound financial decisions while costing you absolutely nothing. Find the smartest financial products for you on nerdwallet.com or in app stores by downloading the NerdWallet app.
2: The Exxon Radio Show is heard on radio broadcast affiliates worldwide, including... AM 580 CFRA in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. You're listening to the Exxon Radio Show on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon Broadcast Network, UK High Definition Radio, Euro High Definition Radio, Star Cable, and Ustream. 1-800-610-7035 is my toll-free number worldwide. Email address exxon at TV.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exxoneradiotv.com. Exonation uh, my guest this hour is Jim Oskins, uh, along with Mike Magalek, who was supposed to be with us, but uh, unfortunately uh, we couldn't uh, catch up with Mike for this hour, are the authors of Broken Arrow, the Declassified History of U.S. Nuclear Weapon Accidents. It's available at Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Lulu.com, and other booksellers. Jim Oskins is a retired U.S. Air Force nuclear specialist, nuclear weapons arming and a fusing specialist, a nuclear weapons team chief from 1955 to 1975. And um, Jim joins us from Colorado this hour. And Jim, welcome to the X-Zone.
4: Oh, thank you, Rob.
2: Uh, Jim, um, in your research uh, for your second book that is coming out, has anything come to light mentioning unidentified flying objects?
4: Yes. We've um, we found some coincidental, I guess you'd call it, incidents. Um, it seems that in the fall of 75, there were a series of unidentified sightings on uh, three Air Force bases on the northern tier of the United States, uh, one in Maine, one in Michigan, and one in Montana. Mm -hmm. Um, And in many cases, um, interceptors were launched but never found the intruder, Uh, whatever it was. We do suspect that it might have been, and this is strictly speculation on our part, that it might have had to do with Project Silverbug, which was actually a... um, project to develop a circular aircraft by uh, a Canadian company, because in one instance at Molstrom the mention of jet noise yes. uh, was associated with the um, object.
2: Very interesting. Uh, you and I have to take a commercial break, uh, Jim. We'll be back shortly. Exonation Nation, once again, uh, Jim o- Osk- Oskins is our special guest. We're talking about Broken Arrow, the declassified history of U.S. nuclear weapons accidents. And Broken Arrow can be purchased and is available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com and other booksellers including Lulu.com. 1-800-610-7035, email exon at ExxonRadioTV.com. On MSN Messenger, ExxonRadioTV at Hotmail.com. And our website, TV.com. Nuclear missile accidents and much more this hour with our special guest, Jim Oskins, who, along with Mike Magalit, wrote Broken Arrow, the declassified history of U.S. nuclear weapons accidents. And they've got a new book coming out, Broken Arrow Volume 2, a disclosure of significant U.S., Soviet, and British nuclear weapons incidents and accidents 1945 to 2010. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away.
0: Oh, yeah. The we're going family style deal because I want a bite of your Big Mac and I need some of your Quarter Pounder. I'll try your fillet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer.
2: Mokins is our special guest this hour. and uh, Jim, how many nuclear weapon accidents have there been officially?
4: Officially there's been 36
2: and that's but, that's going back to what year would that have started at Jim? Uh, 1950. Okay. And um, how does the how does a nuclear weapons accident occur without the public knowing?
4: Well, if it occurs on a base, uh, there's a good chance that the public wouldn't be notified Mm -hmm. um, for a number of reasons. One is the, the military for years had a policy of neither confirm nor deny the presence of nuclear weapons. So to acknowledge an accident on a base would be to confirm that weapons were there. Which was counter to the policy at the time, but it's a good example. Is at Loring Air Force Base, a Mark 17 weapon actually fell through the bomb bay doors of a taxiing and aircraft and impacted on the runway. It didn't detonate, mm-hmm. of course. It couldn't have detonated, um, but it was severely damaged. Which meets the criteria for a broken arrow, but it was never disclosed publicly, and never acknowledged as a broken arrow by the military.
2: How can how can a nuclear weapon fall from an aircraft onto the runway or tarmac and not detonate? What kind of safety procedures or protocols are in place to avoid such an accident from happening?
4: Oh, there's there's a number of them, Rob. Um, Number one, the weapon has to be armed by the pilot and another crew member. Uh, Then the weapon has to sense a number of different uh, parameters, Mm -hmm. trajectory, um, different altitude. uh, A series of different actions have to occur before even the high explosive would detonate in a weapon. To go nuclear in this case where the weapon fell through the Bombay doors, it wasn't possible to go nuclear because it didn't contain a nuclear capsule.
2: I see. Um is there such a thing as a missing nuclear weapon? Oh yes. Yes. Now how do we misplace or what happens to a nuclear <laughs> weapon where it becomes missing? Like I I, I can't fathom this.
4: Yes. Um The most notable one, and the one that's had the most publicity, is a Mark 15 that was jettisoned by a B-47 off the coast of Georgia near Tybee Island, and what happened is it landed in the water Mm -hmm. off the coast, and they just simply cannot find it. Um, The military spent months looking for it. Mm Recently, some civilian personnel have tried to locate it. My guess is it impacted the water, and the water was only about 100 feet deep, but there's a lot of silt on the bottom. My expectation is the weapon is buried under the silt and is lost, written off.
2: No, it. Do other countries, such as the Soviet Union, also suffer from the broken arrow syndrome?
4: Yes, to some extent they do. You know, of course, the Soviet Union has, you know, been very close-lipped about accidents and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But particularly with their with their uh, maritime arm, the navy. They've had a number of different incidents where subs have sunk with weapons aboard um, and I could I guess you could consider them lost in that aspect because they're not going to ever recover them so yes, other countries do have those problems.
2: I'm sorry, I was just going to ask you if there was a danger that rogue nations could actually get their hands on this type of nuclear weaponry, and if they do, how easy would it be for a rogue nation to actually detonate the nuclear weapon?
4: The chances of them recovering one are slim to none. Most of these are... have been searched for extensively Mm -hmm. with no results. Um, The ones that are and submarines are in tens of thousands of feet of water in most cases, the recovery would be almost impossible. And if they did manage to recover one, they would probably be so corroded that they would be useless.
2: Would the nuclear um, or the radioactive material within the nuclear weapon, could that be uh, extracted and used in a dirty bomb
4: no, probably not. Um, most of the active material that's used in a weapon, mm-hmm. um, when exposed to seawater, would develop what they call a water-boiling reactor. I see. Whereas the the seawater actually acts as a moderator for the neutrons in the material, and it actually makes a small reactor, No, no chance of an explosion, makes a small reactor until the material is just gone it just depletes itself so it, there's nothing there to use
2: i i how about the united kingdom have have they lost any uh, nuclear weapons or, and do they have any broken arrows in their uh, in their reports
4: no no, no I... broken arrows and to the best of our knowledge they haven't lost any weapons They've had some damage, uh, road accidents, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Nothing, um, nothing to the extent that we've gone through, but mostly because they, they had a very limited inventory where we had 30,000 weapons. Wow. Um, you know, they had a very limited inventory of maybe 200, and they didn't move around as much as we moved ours due to the fact that. Well, ours is a bigger country.
2: If we're talking thirty thousand nuclear weapons, how many times? And that's just for the United States. How yes. many times over would that with those weapons, if detonated, how many times over would it blow up the world?
4: <laughs> that's hard to say. Uh, probably five hundred times. My I lord, mean, it's so much overkill. It's. it's- borders
2: on the ridiculous. Yeah, you know, especially th- what was it like when you were a, a team chief uh n- you know in the silos knowing that you're working around one of the most deadliest weapons ever ever created by mankind. Did you ever have any hesitation working in that area? Did you ever wonder my god what happens if if it goes off?
4: Uh no. No, I can't say that it ever really occurred to me. We all were aware of the risk. Mm -hmm. Um, And of, you know, we were usually 30 minutes from being blown up by a missile, if it came down to that. Um, We just concentrated on the job at hand and kind of ignored the risk.
2: My goodness! When you joined the Air Force, did you ever think that you would be doing the job that you did?
4: No, no, not not really. No, eh? No, it was, a, it was a complete surprise. All I knew is I was going to atomic energy. That was.
2: Well, that's truly atomic energy. It doesn't get more atomic than that, does it?
4: No, it doesn't. But it was a total surprise to me. It didn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me.
2: I understand that there there's something called Project Jennifer, and that this that's the CIA's effort to recover a sunken Soviet submarine. Can you tell me about that?
4: Yeah, that was. Um, let me say That sub was I think it was K one twenty nine, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. was sunk about seven hundred miles northwest of, of Hawaii. And for some reason, the CIA thought that it would be a good uh, intelligence move yes, if we could raise right. that sub. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, Project Jennifer was the administrative cover name for the project. The the actual raising of the sub had a, a second project name, uh, Zona, if I remember correctly something along those lines and yeah we did manage according to the records to raise a portion of the sub apparently the mm-hmm. forward section along with a couple of torpedoes and at least six crewmen of course were dead oh heavens yeah um the actual sinking the cause is unknown it's You know, with the submarine, things can go wrong very quickly.
2: I would imagine so. I would imagine so. Jim, uh, please stand by. You and I have to take our break with the news at the bottom of the hour. Exo Nation Jim Oskins is our special guest. Uh, He, along with Mike Magalit, are the authors of Broken Arrow, The Declassified History of U.S. Nuclear Weapons Accident. It's available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers and uh, also they've got a brand new book that's coming out in the very near future it's entitled broken arrow volume two a disclosure of significant u.s. soviet and british nuclear weapons incidents and accidents 1945 to 2010 we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the exome continues from our studios in hamilton ontario canada once again, our toll free number is 1 800 610 7035. Email exon at exoneradiotv.com. On MSN Messenger, TV at hotmail.com. And our website, www.exonradiotv.com I'll be back on the other side of the news with Jim Oskins. Don't go away.
1: Thank you
2: Dot, Exxon Radio TV dot com. Nation, my special guest this hour is James C. Oskins. He is a retired United States Air Force nuclear specialist, nuclear weapons arming and uh, fusing specialist, and nuclear weapons team chief from 1955 to 1975. Along with Mike Magalit, who was a retired U.S. Air Force nuclear weapons team member and team chief from 1980 to 1995. They have written Broken Arrow, the Classified History of U.S. Nuclear Weapons and Accidents. It's available on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Lulu.com, and other booksellers. They're soon going to be releasing a second book on U.S., Soviet, and British nuclear weapons accidents and incidents from 1945 onward entitled Broken Arrow, Volume 2. A Disclosure of Significant U.S., Soviet, and British Nuclear Weapon Incidents and Accidents, 1945-2010. to Jim, welcome back to the X-Zone. And uh, you you and I were talking uh, during the commercial break about how people are talking about the war in Afghanistan as being the longest-running war. And, you know, you were very quick to point out, and justifiably so, that the Cold War actually surpasses the Afghanistan War.
4: Oh, yes by what, fifty years.
2: Yeah. And and there were a number of casualties and fatalities during the uh during the Cold War that seemed to be forgotten in all of the in all the remembrances. And uh I, I don't think people listening, uh Jim realize how close it came to somebody pushing that button.
4: Oh yes. Particularly during the Cuban Missile Crisis oh, yeah. it was you know A very close thing, but there were other instances as well that were equally frightening when you think back on them.
2: Jim, how many civilians do you estimate have died as a direct result of nuclear weapon accidents?
4: Uh, None.
2: The fail-safes are that secure?
4: Yes. Yes, they are. There have been some injured... Mm-hmm. Uh um, when high explosives in the weapon if detonated, any given weapon, but um, that has actually been pretty limited as well. Back in 1950, uh, there were about 50 civilians living next to Fairfield Sassooon Air Force Base. Uh, when a B-29 crashed carrying a Mark IV bomb and the high explosive detonated, uh, very near a trailer park, a base trailer mm-hmm. park. And there were about 50 civilians that were injured. Um, none were killed. And also in 58, maybe 47, flying overhead dropped, again, unintentionally dropped a, a Mark Six bomb containing 5,000 pounds of high explosives. And it detonated close to their home, um, severely damaged the house, the garage, the car. Um, one child was hospitalized but um, didn't die. Uh, so actually, zero civilians. A number of military have. Uh, I couldn't tell you exactly how many, but quite a few aircrew and a few on the ground. Mm-hmm.
2: Jim, I, I remember hearing something about the USS Scorpion sinking back in May of 1968. What can you tell us about that?
4: Uh that's one of those mysterious instances where the explanation has never been made uh, clear. Mm-hmm. The, the sub actually just more or less disappeared, um, sank in about 29,000 feet of water, if I remember correctly. They have found it, um, but... The analysis of the photos and so forth just do not conclusively show that the loss was due to hostile action or equipment malfunction. They just don't know. All they know is it went below crushed depth and 99 men died. Oh, heavens. And they were carrying two nuclear torpedoes plus the nuclear reactor that powered the, the sub.
2: So were the nuclear uh, torpedoes ever recovered?
4: No. They're still down there. Wow. As far as we know.
2: As far as we know. Yeah. Well, what about Soviet nuclear weapon accidents?
4: The uh, There's a chance that they may have had some land-based accidents with the mm-hmm. number of weapons they had. Um, odds are they had... A few land-based accidents, but they didn't—they didn't actually move their weapons around as much as we did. They didn't keep them in such an advanced state of readiness as we did. Um, they didn't have airborne alert, for instance, uh, where we had aircraft with weapons aboard flying 24/7. They never did that. Uh, most of their losses were at sea. And most of those losses were associated with submarine accidents, sinkings.
3: Hmm.
2: And uh, and as you and I discussed, uh, uh, you know, because of the number of weapons that uh, nuclear weapons that the United Kingdom has, uh, they've had what no broken arrows, but have they had any have they had any accidents?
4: Uh, yes, they've had incidences where bombs have fallen off of trailers during movement. Um, instances like that, mm-hmm. traffic accidents as weapons were being transported from one base to another. Um, uh, one did involve a Thor missile, um, and the retro rockets on the missile fired. Uh, but no damage was actually done to the warhead. We had a couple of incidents, instances. Mm-hmm. Uh, where weapons that were under our control were damaged in the United Kingdom.
2: Tell me, why did you and, um, uh, Mike decide to write your books? What was your motivation?
4: The motivation actually was to enlighten the general public, if you like, Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a lost piece of history, like the Cold War. I mean, and, and nuclear weapons are even more or less in the consciousness of the public. Do you I think? Mean, you think nuclear weapons, and mm-hmm. it's sort of a, oh yeah, you know, but nobody really cares, and nobody really thinks about it anymore.
2: You know, I I, I I take that as a compliment for the members of the armed forces like yourself and like Mike and, and the many other men and women who do their very best seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days of the year to protect freedom, to protect democracy, that when you look at the citizens of today, it's, well, you know, yeah, yeah, we we've heard of nuclear weapons. That's because, I, I think their attitude is because you and, and the men and women who were responsible for the nuclear weapons did such a fantastic job. You know, God forbid if there would have been that one nuclear accident, I'll tell you, everybody in their aunt and uncle would be talking about nuclear weapons to this very day, but because you did such a good job, a job to be proud of, and a job that I am I am ever so grateful that you did... You know, maybe that's yes. one way of looking at it.
4: Yes, it is. Yeah, the um, it was a stressful job. There's no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was always, there was always the high explosive side of every weapon uh, that actually we worried more about than the nuclear side because we all knew the nuclear side. The chances of it going nuclear were extremely remote. The high-explosive side uh, was actually the more risky side, hmm. especially in the early years when the weapon, high-explosive was not uh, impact-safe. That, that was always a concern.
3: You
2: mean in the earlier models, there was no impact-safety factor that if, in fact, the warhead came... In contact with something, it could have detonated the nuclear weapon?
4: No, just the high-explosive portion of it. Oh, I see. But, you know, you've got 5,000 pounds of high-explosive in some of the earlier weapons. That alone will make a big smoking hole.
2: I would imagine so. I would imagine so. What do you think about the weaponry of today, and how does it compare with the weapons that you worked on with Mike?
4: It's night and day. There are extremely safe today. They were safe then Mm -hmm. obviously because we never had an accidental nuclear detonation. Uh, Today it's even more remote because of the safety features that have been built in. The fact that they've got passive action links where you have to actually type in a code to unlock the weapon to even enable it to be armed. yeah, I'd sleep next to one. It doesn't. Really? <laughs> I mean, that doesn't concern me at all.
2: That is that is uh, that's uh, that's remarkable. What do you think about the present situation in the Middle East and uh, the possibility that Iran may be getting very close to having its own nuclear weapons?
4: Well, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, it's. You can go any place on the internet anymore Mm -hmm. and you can almost get a blow-by-blow description on how to build a nuclear weapon.
3: Yeah.
4: Um, I don't like the idea of a country like Iran having one in their possession. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's kind of like us having nuclear weapons we wouldn't dare use one because of the public opinion. I mean the world would come down on us or Iran uh full force if we used one. Or if Iran used one. Yeah. So it's there are more bargaining chips at this point, I think.
2: You know what I, I, I have to agree with you. I, I really think that it is mostly preventative preventative uh course of war than it is an actual aggressive maneuver by having nuclear weapons. Because I, I don't think there's anyone, in, you know, in the, in the sane world, that is, who would ever want to push that button because it would totally be the end of the world.
4: Yes, yes it would. Yeah. Back in 1958 when Khrushchev and uh, Eisenhower met, they, they agreed at the time that they could never use nuclear weapons because mm-hmm. it would wipe out the world. Yeah. That was 1958. But both countries continued to build them, which is a little ironic.
2: It, it, it certainly is. Yeah. It certainly is. You know, I remember as a kid uh, uh, during the Cold War, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, you know, we would have airied. uh drills, and we'd have to get under our, our our desks in school. The air raid sirens would go off, and we lived right across the street from one of these air raid sirens, mm-hmm. and it is the most scaring sound that I have ever heard, and I still remember to this very day, many years later, that night, and it was Operation Toxin D, and, you know, when you when you realize that if you heard this siren when it wasn't a a a drill. Mhm. Man, you were looking at total devastation, nuclear annihilation of this planet.
4: Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah, and we all knew you know, those of us in the mm-hmm. military knew that our our time was very limited if somebody did punch the button.
2: Your your time was limited in which respect?
4: How much longer we had to live. Oh boy. You no, know, it was I spent seven years stationed in England. Yeah. We were fifteen minutes away by ICBM from the Soviet Union. Yeah. We, our main goal was to get our aircraft off the ground in those fifteen minutes. <laughs> After that, you know, it just—if it happened, it happened.
2: But if you were in a missile silo, were you safe?
4: Um, it depends. If it was. A direct hit, no. (laughs) Excuse me. Um, But if it was a near miss, you possibly were safe. Um, There'd be a lot of shock damage, the radiation to contend Mm -hmm. with. Um, If your air supply would last for 30 days before you're supposed to be able to get out of the silo. There were a number of different factors involved there, I would say. Your chances are pretty remote
2: that you'd survive. Jim, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our final break. Thank you very much for sharing uh, the here hour with us here in the Axona, and once again to you and all the other members of the armed forces, past, present, and future. Thank you for all the great sacrifices that you've made, and for willing to take that ultimate sacrifice all in the name of freedom and democracy. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we wrap up this hour with my guest, Jim Oskins, who, along with Mike Magalit, are the authors of Broken Arrow, the Declassified History of the U.S. Nuclear Weapons Accident. It's available on Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Lulu.com, and other booksellers. Don't go away.
3: No.
0: Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports!
1: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. She
3: would never say where she came from. Yesterday don't matter if it's gone.
1: She
2: Jim Moskins so is our special guest, ExoNation, once again with Mike Magalit. He wrote um, Broken Arrow, the Declassified History of U.S. Nuclear Weapon Accidents. And they've got a brand new book coming out. It's entitled Broken Arrow, Volume 2, A Disclosure of Significant U.S., Soviet, and British Nuclear Weapon Incidents and Accidents, 1945 to 2010. Uh, Jim, have there been any recent uh, accidents or um, incidents?
4: Yes, there's been some incidents. Um, one that is particularly intriguing happened at uh, the Pantex plant in Amarillo, Texas. That's the facility where old weapons are disassembled, demilitarized, etc. Where in 1989, during the disassembly of one of these weapons, there was actually a tritium leak, a radioactive gas Mm-hmm that contaminated the maintenance bays, the tools, the equipment, and several other weapons that were waiting to be disassembled. Um, And the surprising part about it is uh, the accident information was released to the state of Texas and the state media, but the national media never picked it up, uh, which seems a little strange.
2: It certainly does
4: yeah and then there was the pretty well known incident where six nuclear weapons were transported from myana Air Force Base to Barksdale, Louisiana by mistake uh, that was what three years ago yeah now now how could that have happened uh, any well, any any theories yeah i I have theories. <laughs> It's because the emphasis had been removed from the nuclear side of the business, more to the conventional side, and the people in, involved in the nuclear side of the business uh, were being very casual about the whole thing. The only difference, the only way these things were marked that would tell mm-hmm. the difference was a white piece of paper was taped to them. didn't say anything on it. It was just there.
2: A white piece of paper taped on it.
4: Yeah, it was supposed to let you know that it was a live weapon. Uh, which, you know, it, it, when I was in, they'd have hung you from the highest tree if you'd have done something like that. You and
2: know, it was. And now yeah. it. What happened to those people responsible? Any idea?
4: Yeah, yeah, they all were allowed to retire at their current rank. Um, which um, I think. It was criminal. I think they should have been. They should have all been reduced in rank. Uh, no, but
2: to no. say the very least, anyway.
4: Yeah, they have... retired with full benefits. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then there was just recently too, a um, a fire in a Minuteman three silo in uh, Wyoming, where a battery charger sharded out mm-hmm. and caused a fire. Not directly in the silo, in the launch duct, but in part of the silo. And it was an unmanned silo, and the Air Force didn't even know what happened until five days later.
2: Jim, I hate to do this, my friend, but you and I have to stay so long. We're just seconds away from the end of the segment. Uh, We'll have you you back on with Mike talking more about uh, Broken Arrows. Thanks very much for joining us, Jim. Always a great pleasure. And once again, thanks for being there for us.
4: Thank you, Rob.
2: Good night, sir. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away.
0: Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area.